You're listening to Radigan's Rockcast, a series focused on talking about music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even current. Now, here's your host, Tom Radigan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Radigan's Rockcast. I am, of course, your host, Tom Radigan. Always, always, as in, as in always, always will be there for you. Okay, alright, I'll stop getting creepy. But um, yeah, welcome if you're listening to it on WMYO, YouTube, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, through Anchor, Castos, I'm glad you're on. So, we talked about already the Beatles' first album, Please Please Me, and that was released, of course, in England, and uh, of course, you know, like the UK and all that, and we had their second album, which was their other studio album in the UK, but this was the first album actually released in North America, too. Um, and an interesting thing, so it was called... Simply with the Beatles. Now, this album is definitely different in a sense. They were record. They were both recorded in the same year of nineteen sixty three. The uh, Please Please Me was released in March. This was released released in November of sixty three, and we'll actually get to that interesting release date um, in a second. So, but um, first, yeah. So with the Beatles, um, is basically a different type of album in the sense that it's you know it's still got a mix of covers and songs that they're writing, but they have a little bit more. They're a little bit more structured. They're a little bit understanding their sound a little better. Like I mentioned in the last edition that I felt like, you know, their single and even I guess in their album in a sense was like a pilot and TV show, you know, figure out what works and what doesn't. And that's what this album does. Um, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, songs from Motown. I think that was, you know, a big theme of this too, is to show a little bit of, you know, their, their rock side of that, that versions of how they can go from, you know, uh, you know, how they can you know, blend into different types of things, like, like types of structures of music. Um, they even have a show tune song from the Music Man, Till There Was You. But um, and before we go into the songs, really, uh, let's talk about the release date. So, in 1963, that was when John F. Kennedy was president, but he got assassinated on November 22nd. This was the day... The Beatles album was released uh, in the UK, and uh, you know, uh, in a sense, to what has been known about, of course, you know, because the JFK assassination was something that, of course, was horrifying for you know people to see. Consider some people saw it on television, but you know, the Beatles brought this uplifting message at this time because you know they were you know yeah they 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 really brought this uplifting message of you know this you know just good feel good music and all that stuff that came around so and of course you know in a few months they would be on the ed sullivan show um playing to millions of, of uh, screaming girls so you know um but um an interesting so the thing about uh, now why don't we go into the album now so the the thing that was different about uh, at least with please please me was that it had like two hit singles which is uh, you know, of course, Love Me Do and Please Please Me. With the Beatles, really didn't have any, like, singles, you know, really. Um, you know, I mean, some, you know, um, songs that are, you know, still really popular are, of course, there's, like, All My Lovin'. Uh, considering they played that on the Ed Sullivan show. Uh, same with Till There Was You, they played that on the Ed Sullivan show. But, uh, you know... That's okay, I think. I don't feel like an I don't feel like an album needs to have hit singles in order for it to be a good album. You can just listen to you know, there are songs that don't need to be a singles, even though they can, even though they're so good and all that stuff, you know? It's like just because it, it, a song's not a single doesn't mean it's a, it's not a good song. Uh, you know, you can't just make everything a single then, you know, really then that, you know, pro- like, you know, disproves the point of like with albums and all that. But um 
songs that I think are, you know, essential on it is, of course, the opening track, It Won't Be Long, um, and uh, the way it just goes, John just goes right into the vocals of that song, uh, the guitar work for that works pretty well, um, you know, um, definitely got, um, they're getting a little bit more structured, having a little bit more of that English sound or the Beatle or that Beatle sound, you know, as as I think we should call it, you know, all that. Uh, and uh, another song uh, after that is uh, All I've Got to Do. All I've Got to Do is a really other great song, uh, which is an original uh, from them that they wrote. Uh, that That's, no, that's another uh, classic. Uh, and then, of course, we've got All My Lovin'. All My Lovin'. Now... What to say about, um, you know, some of the original stuff is that, um, you know, especially All My Lovin', I think, is another song that was considered, um, you know, a, a Beatles hit, hit in a sense, even though it wasn't released as a single, um, like, right away, really. It was like, you know, I think, I, you know, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a single, it was just, you know, on the album, but it was a well-known song. Like I said, they performed it on the Ed Sullivan Show. It was the first song they played on the Ed Sullivan Show. Um, you know, uh, the harmonies are something that I think is well-known, that I remember known about it for the first time when I was a kid uh, hearing John and George's harmonies because Paul's the one that take, take, take lead on this and John, John does the backing vocals with, with George on this one um, and it just shows that you know how uh, versatile they were in a sense you know like that it really wasn't just like a frontman like with John and George and Paul being his backup singers um, it you know it flipped around you know um, and all that so that I think um, I think that's what um, you know gives away the song I think um, the guitar work of course is good I think Paul of course is just you know you know, he's an established songwriter. Uh, a song that's interesting on this album that I think really works well is Don't Bother Me, which is George's first, uh, you know, a self-written song. that he, Yeah, it was the first song that he wrote that was going to be on a Beatles album. And he said, it, the way he describes it was that it was his attempt of, you know, writing songs and it was all that. And also, to the story was, he was just like, the, when he wrote it, he was just sick and he just didn't feel good. So he was just like, don't bother me. And that's how the song came out. And I, I've always, honestly, I think that that's one of one of my favorite George's songs. That's one of my favorite George songs from the Beatles. Um, when I look back at like an early song of George's that he did, that's one of my favorites of his. Um, you know, of course, it's little now considering of all the other great songs he came up with, like something while my guitar gently leap, weeps. But there's something about this song that I just love. I think you know it's because it's simple. You know, uh, you know. Um, I think also too. Uh, the tone delivering in George's voice, especially when it gets a little low, go into the chorus. Um, you know, I think he's just like, he's getting, you know, George was somebody, I think also too, that wasn't, you know, didn't really need the spotlight in the sense of, you know, it was reported that he had stage fright um, and all that. And I think it was just that, you know, he, um, you know, in this song, you could tell he's really like, you know, finding his path of knowing how to sound like a lead singer and how to, you know, have this be, you know, his song, you know? Uh, and uh, that works well. Um, a song I always thought was really interesting, I remember, so a little uh, little uh, story, you know, uh, personal story for me. Um, as a kid, um, you know, of course, I got into the Beatles at a really young age uh, through the influence from my father and all that stuff. Cause my father loved uh, that music and all that. Uh, and um, there was this uh, radio station uh, called that had a uh, 
I think it was Beetle Brunch or like there was there was two things. There was Beetle Breakfast, which was at like they played two Beetle songs and then you did trivia in the mornings on the weekdays. And then there was Beetle Brunch or something like that or like Beetle yeah Beetle be like like something like something like that. It was Beetle Breakfast, Beetle Beetle Brunch. But anyway, uh, the guy who did I think his name was Joe Johnson I think, uh, and. Uh, it was this really just the segment of you know going into the stories of the Beatles history and all that, and uh, I remember hearing the song "A Little Child," and "Little Child." If you think about it, it's it's not you know there's not that much there. It's only like a, it's I think it's really I don't even think it's two minutes, um, but uh, when I heard it, I was just like, oh, what is that? Like, what's that song, Dad? And like my dad's like, oh, it's called, it's called "Little Child," but there wasn't that much no you know it wasn't as big of a hit. And, uh, you know, the harmonica solo works well on that, uh, and all that, uh, but, um, yeah, no, um, what I thought was interesting was because I thought John's voice was really low on it, it sounded like, um, you know, uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, I thought honestly it sounded so low that I thought it was Ringo's voice, but no, it was actually actually John's voice and all that stuff. And uh, so um, yeah, yeah, the guitar works pretty well on it too. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so uh, that that's what I say about that song. And then when we go into uh, "Till There Was You," so "Till There Was You" uh, is a song from. It, it's one of the only songs they really do that's from like a musical. Um, from what I can think of on top of my head out of all the covers really yeah like it's it, like this is the one that was from the musical that was from the, the music man uh, you know it's, like I love of course I love that movie um, you know uh, Shirley Jones Robert Preston of course but um, you know um, the way uh, Paul does it I think is great because I think you know it shows that he can you know really do these uh, you know, bow. You know these beautiful ballads. Um, you know, I think it it, it kind of shows that he, you know, how versatile his voice is, and like you know of what he of what even the Beatles can do. The Beatles don't have to just do rock and lovey dovey songs. You know, they are able to play emotional love songs that go more in depth. You know, and all that. And um, you know, I think you know, and and an interesting thing is this was played on the Ed Sullivan show, and this was when their um names when they played the song, this was when their names were introduced to the public. So you saw, you know, and then of course it was that famous. So it had like you know, it showed Paul, then it showed Ringo, then it showed George, and then it showed John, and then it had Sorry Girls, he's married, <laughs> uh, which uh, you know they thought would be funny to have and all that stuff, uh, which it, which is pretty cool, uh, you know and all that uh and uh so but um yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah no so it, it's pretty cool that that was the song that uh that's how they got how they got introduced was when they were playing that song uh and uh yeah no um it was yeah it was it was considered like i think like you know a memorable song from them from that period especially um and one of their uh covers that i think is well known and then now we talk about uh well-known covers and my dad talks about how these covers were played on the radio a lot which was mr postman uh, by the marvelettes uh motown group and of course chuck berry's song roll over beethoven that's sung by george um but um yeah so mr postman um I love I love just the whole all the harmonies I mean, from John Paul and George's voice on it. Of course, John doing the lead and all that, uh, and they just do it so fun. You know, they just like 
when you know because honestly you know there are some people who are like oh i only like the later beatles stuff they didn't do like anything really that good in the early days and yeah of course there was their pop era stuff but i always liked their early stuff too like i like their early stuff just as much as their later stuff like there are some days where i need to listen to like from me to you or a little child you know we all need a little bit of that early beatles spirit in us you know because it's about feeling young you know it's about just wanting to let loose and have fun and, you know, enjoy life and understand life, you know, and all that. And that's what I think, you know, these early albums represent too, a, a sense of innocence or a sense of, you know, just, you know, trying to figure the world out for yourself without, you know, um, you know, criticism uh, from uh, others, you know. Uh, and that, that's what I think um, represents, you know, early Beatles albums in a sense. Especially Roll Over Beethoven, which I think was George's, uh, was a song that show that George could play really great, you know, guitar work, uh, and, like, you know, could really just, you know, you know, yeah, went in on the guitar, um, but I think this is another song that proves George as becoming a lead singer, you know, like, knowing, like, where to sing, um, you know, I think he, he, he does it pretty well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I always loved when George sang on, on albums, and, um, you know, uh, another interesting thing is, like, yeah, because, like, this, you know, definitely, I think they definitely are able to um, establish a little bit of a different style. In a, not, you know, it's the same song, like, in a sense. They don't add so much anything new to what Chuck Berry did, but they have a little bit of that difference with it from, you know, just, you know, updating the sound or just, like, you know, putting, like, you know, a Beatles spin on it in a sense, you know, still, but like, keeping original, like, you know, they're able to, you know, have a little bit of that, like, you could tell it's a Fab Four song, but they're able to also keep the, the 50s element, too, like, the stuff, like, they weren't gonna, like, you know, like, crop out anything that Barry did, uh, which, you know, works, you know, too, you know, it's like, you, you know, they, they were able to, you know, they just loved the songs, so they want to do that, you know? And that's what they did. Um, another song on this album, which is the ninth song, which is like, <laughs> wow, we're really like going into like the whole catalog. Oh, hey, you know what? That's fine. Uh, you know, hey, that's what we're doing. Uh, but like, because uh, I think the thing too is with this song, Hold Me Tight, for instance, this was uh, sung by Paul. This is a song that's uh, very, you know, not a lot of people probably uh, remember and know this song. Uh, you know, like, uh, it's funny because my dad and I were talking about this. And my dad always talked about how we loved the song and how we always thought that it was funny how it just was never as, as picked up or, you know, well, you know, well, well known in a sense and just always overlooked upon. And, and it is overlooked upon. Uh, you, you know, it's, you know, you know it, it, like thinking about it, even thinking about it now, uh, it's got to catch melody um you know um you know a good um you know instrumentation and that's really what you need in a song is a catchy melody you know a good hook and that's how you get a hit song and uh you know uh and it, it, it works well um you know they're sticking to the beatles style and all that uh you know still i mean it does still seem like it's like a one of those prototype songs like something like i think even like for please please me there's a place i can't kind of see that as a similarity to both these songs that these songs were more of like showing what they can do and of not like it was more of a showing what they can do and what they can elevate to and even though their songs were not as good on their own you know um like you know they, they weren't like you know masterpiece songs but just like you know showing people that 
they can do stuff like that. They they can elevate their music. They can, you know, they know how to play a song. They know how to write a song. Um, you know, and of course they came up with, you, you know, they, they, you know, became, you know, more, you know, they had more songs throughout, uh, you know, their catalog. Um, but these are definitely songs that if you haven't listened to, uh, would definitely check out, definitely recommend. Uh, and then we've got um, one of their covers, which I think is probably their best, actually their best cover on this album, I think, is uh, uh, You Really Got a Hold on Me from Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Uh, I think the, uh, the piano playing on this works, the, you know, the guitar beat, uh, how they do it so slow. Uh, John's voice just works well. John was the right Beatle to sing this song. Uh, but what I really love, and I've mentioned this before, uh, that about how in the early days George was just a great backing vocalist, and on this song he, uh, you can really hear him well. And even though Paul is on the song, George dominates. I think the backing vocal harmony on this, and you know, of course, in the call and response when they're like, "You really got a hold on me," you really just hear George going all at it, and you could just tell in this song that these guys, you know, have this camaraderie and this chemistry and they're just like these friends that can just you know have fun and you know just you know sing and play a good tune together and that's that's that you know so moving on to their number 11 track which is I Want to Be Your Man, which is sung by, of course, Ringo Starr. Now, this is an interesting song because it was actually a song that was uh, given, like, you know, that John and Paul gave to the Rolling Stones. But an interesting thing, though, too, is that, uh, you know, because they needed, like, you know, a song for their album and all that stuff, so they did I Want to Be Your Man, and they gave it to Ringo and all that. And, um, you know, Ringo, I think, does a good job at uh, singing the song. Um, I think, you know, it's funny, though, because, you know, it doesn't sound like Ringo at first, or it sounds like Ringo, but I think it's like a, it's almost like a double track kind of thing. And the thing I've always I noticed about when Ringo does a song, um, it's always on the harmonies. It's always, uh, you know, John and Paul. It's never John, Paul, George, and Ringo, barely. It's always like George never really, you never hear George on the harmonies on that. I don't know if that was, like, you know, planned or just, like, of, like, just that having two harmonies instead of three or better like you know I don't know if it was like if they thought it sounded better with the less harmonies I always that was just the, one of the mysteries of the Beatles I always found interesting like oh how come like George doesn't sit on that too like not too you know I mean I think there were a few songs where you know they, he did send them back vocals when Ringo was in lead like I think like Boys and even Yellow Submarine uh, but yeah no so um, but anyway with this song yeah no I mean Ringo does it well um, definitely got that rock style I, I gotta say I do think I like this of course I like this song better than the Stones version I think um, I'm more familiar with this version Version. Not that I don't like the Stones version. I think the Stones version I was a little bit more, um, you know, still not, you know, because it was their first single, so you know, not well polished in a sense. You know, they were of course able to come up with, you know, a better career and catalog as time went on too. Um, so that's what I'll say about about them. But I think with with Ringo doing this song, I think it's a good song for him. I think it's definitely a signature Ringo tune I think um you know um he definitely I think does a good job at making it his own um you know is it the most memorable Ringo like no like, I, I say it's like it's his signature song in a sense but it's not his like mo like it's like I would say it, it would maybe be considered one of his signature songs in like maybe like sit like on maybe like six or like the fifth you know like out of the five signature songs for him um you know um 
is it the most memorable tune from the Beatles? No. But, um, you know, is it a good track to just listen to when you're having a bad day or just, when, or just whenever you want to listen to some music? Yeah, of course it's a great song to listen to. It's actually used in the film that uh, The Hard Day's Night, uh, too. So, uh, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later as well. So uh, don't uh, worry about that. <laughs> but, uh, so, okay. So now we're, we have like three more tracks that uh, we're going to mention. So there was Devil in Her Heart, which was another cover that George sings. This is actually, too, an interesting thing to point out is this is one of the two albums that has 14 tracks that George sings th uh, three songs on instead of two. Every other song he either sang two or just one song. But out of the 14, out of the albums that had 14 tracks, there was only two that he had three songs on. And it's funny how it was the second album. Um, and and all that, um, but yeah, no, I think I think I'm glad that there's more George songs on this too, because I I like I like songs that have George on it, like I I, I love that yeah I love albums that have, you know, as much George as they do. I mean, of course, John and Paul always had more songs, and of course, you know, John, even still has more in a sense, um, you know, than Paul, considering that he. You know, like, it's still, you know, he's still, you know, in the controlling phase of the group because it was his band in a sense, you know. He felt, you know, it was really, he was the one that was leading it. Even though Paul was, like, second in command in a sense, John was, you know, just this, you know, this, you know, this leader, this effective leader and this force of nature that really was able to help build a strong, wild, good sense of the Beatles. So, two songs uh, that end the album is, well, one, which is a, and they're both John songs, so the 13th is not a second time. And this is a song I've always thought, uh, like, did not get the credit it deserved. And it's a song that's also, I think, overlooked upon. That should be more well-known. Uh, and I think, you know, um, I can hear, um, you know, a little bit of a modern version of it, too. I can hear, like, you know, like, I can, I can hear modern... Like, it sounds like a song that could be, you know, written in the modern day. Um, it definitely, I think, is able to have that. It doesn't sound like, oh, this sounds like an early 60s or late 50s song, you know. It doesn't have, like, a time period thing to it, you know. It's a song that it's just, like, that's just in the present, you know. It's just flown. That's what art should be. It shouldn't have to have a date and all that stuff. In order for an art to be really effective, it has to be timeless. Just remember that. So, the last track we'll go into is, of course, Money. That's what I want. And, uh, you know, this song, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good... It's like it, it's like Twist and Shout in the sense that it's another last cover, uh, you know, a little bit more fun, a little bit more uh, on the edge, and a little bit more of, like, just partying it up, and Johnson the lead on that. Um, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think... The, and, the thing to say about this is just very, you know, just it, it's it's a party type of album in a sense, you know. It's very, you know, just like, that's what I want. That's what I want, you know. Uh, and like, you know, and it's like talking about money and all that stuff and just, you know, like, you know. Um, you know, because like when I remember hearing that as a kid, it's like saying to my dad, it's like, 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 like. Why is it? Why do they say like? Why do they? Why are they really like wanting money? And then you realize, as when you get older, and even when you're, you know, at that age too. I was seeing a lot of shows that were talking about how money is so good, and you know, it just shows you it's like 
I want money, you know? <laughs> and I, I just always love that. Like, like, that's what I want. That's what I want. And, yeah, so that was a cover from, yeah, like, from uh, Barrett. Uh, Barrett Strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was his name. Barrett Strong did the original song in around 59 and uh, 1960 and all that. Uh, and, of course, that's a, a great, great song. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um... So that's that's my take on the album. Uh, what I will say is because, like I say, I label this by I don't do any number ranking. How I label it is by going into what I think, uh, what I would call it. I would, I think this is a very you know underground record in a sense. So I would call it you know like you know like really like. Maybe the word I was gonna have a word I was gonna call it smooth, but I think what's better is underappreciated. I think is a word that should be used to describe this album because this album is something that I think is very overlooked upon in the Beatles catalog, um, in a sense. But I think you know because of course it didn't have the hit singles on it, uh, but you know it had songs like it, it. It reminds me of songs like from that just like that you know that groove age of the early 60s, even like the Greenwich Village style of what was going on at that time. It, it has a little bit of that New York quality, you know, they were, they were able to, you know, really sound American in their music, and it was really able to have that American, you know, quality in that New York type of, you know, rough beat uh, 60s sound, you know, uh, so I w I would, I'm going to label it underappreciated, like, because it's just like this, you know, this song and some of these songs were songs that you know you wouldn't even think of right and that's why i call it in a sense like you know like you know like that's why i call it like really like underappreciated and this whole you know like just this this type of music at like coming up to you at your feet that oh i didn't even know like oh wow it's interesting like you know for them to cover a show tune i think just says a lot about the group of like that they didn't care if it was you know a mainstream rock like that if it was not a rock song you know if they liked it they did it you know and they were able to find a way to make it work uh so that's it for today's edition i uh, really appreciate you guys for uh listening in uh, and see you guys next time bye